Good morning, ladies. We are so glad you're here at The Nest. And if you're a first-time visitor and an old-timer, a table leader, we want you to grab something to eat and come sit down. This is going to be a get yourself ready, get on the horse, get ready to go. Mandy and Millie have so much packed into today. And we are excited that you are here. We are the nest. And if it is your first time, we're here to nurture, encourage, strengthen, and train you as a young mom to be a lover of Jesus, a lover of your husband, and a lover of your children, and a lover of your neighbor in the best way possible, especially when you have a new baby number four and you don't quite know what that looks like. But here you are. Um, So... We are going to talk about a little bit also as you get into the spring, you know, Easter is just around the corner. We've all just started Lent. Maybe something you can talk about with your table is what you've already neglected to do that you were giving up for Lent or already did that you weren't supposed to do. But as you think about Easter, I think one of the favorite things that we did as a family is buy a set of those little resurrection eggs. You can get them off from Lifeway or from Logos or order them online. And start doing those every day with your kids. My tip to you this morning is to be to have an Easter egg hunt in your house every day. And take your resurrection eggs and hide them around your house when you go to do your little time with your kid on the floor or whatever. And let them do a little Easter egg hunt in the house. And then you come back and then you open the resurrection eggs and do a little... Um, Bible lesson right there. And if you do that most days leading up to Easter, you will be astounded by the end. You're going to have them teaching you the story and them hiding the eggs for you to go find. And then they're able to tell you each part of the Easter story. So I encourage you to start your Easter egg hunting early with the resurrection eggs and then maybe invite your neighbors over towards the end and do it with them and make it your goal each year to give that set of resurrection eggs away. You know, don't keep them because my kids would get very attached to them. And then I would go to give them to a neighbor that I knew hadn't heard the gospel or didn't know, or maybe had just heard it for the first time in our house. And our kids would kind of be like, oh, mom, those are my eggs. But the truth is he's entrusted us with the gospel so that we give it away, right? Not so that we keep it all to ourselves. So there's a little tip for you. Um, The Nest also has on your website on Facebook, they have a lot of little hands and feet ideas for you to do. So look on the Facebook page for this month's hands and feet activity for you to get out and give it away. And then lastly, um, this is going to be all about discipline and how to train your children to be Christ followers and to to do the things that we are called to do in scripture. And it's going to be this session and next session, which is April 7th. So mark your calendars and make good notes today. Take that pen and that paper on your table and put it to use because at the end of the today, not during, but at the end of today, whatever questions Millie and Mandy have not answered, you get to text your question in to the number that we'll put up on the screen, and then we will incorporate that into a Q&A time for April 7th. So this is first part and second part, but the second part is really, hey, how did I grapple with this material? What questions do I still have? And then you get to come back to us and text those questions, and we'll have a panel up here and kind of bucket those questions into to common topics and themes, and then hopefully address that next week. So Mandy and Millie will introduce themselves. We are so glad you're here. It is a gift that you are giving yourself of the best kind to be here and be immersed in God's word. So let me pray for us and we'll get started. Lord, thank you so much for Mandy and Millie. Thank you that you have given us the gospel and you've given us to give it away. And you call us to train, encourage, and nurture, and teach Um, and strengthen each other and our children. And I pray you would do that in our hearts over the next couple of hours. 
thank you for Allison and for um, Millie and their sharing their birthdays with us. And we pray that those who don't know you would come to know you this morning and those who do would know you better. And thank you for Mandy and just the way she brings it to life and makes it so tangible. Thank you, Lord, for the ways you've equipped and trained this woman. Help us to put everything down, to lay everything aside that hinders us, and really come to your throne to receive the grace and mercy we need. In your name we pray. Amen. Okay. Thank you, Jeannie. Are we on? We're on. Hey, before Millie starts to introduce, we're jumping right in. We're not having any table time, which is really weird. So just come find your seats and, um, and get ready to dive in deep. But you guys, I knew I was standing up here with like the guru of discipline, but I didn't know I was standing up here with one of two birthday girls. So can y'all say happy birthday to Allison and Millie? I would make y'all sing to them, but then they would be really upset with me. So anyhow, it is Allison Treadway's birthday and Millie Hale's birthday, and they're both really a big part of the nest. And whether you know it or not, impact your lives in a big way if you're involved here. So happy birthday, you guys. Thank you. Okay, how old are we, Allison? Because we're twins. So I just want to make sure. Are we 29? Thank you. Okay, we cleared that up. Or actually, she's my daughter, but I mean, it could be. That's the sad part. She could be. Well, guys, welcome. I mean, I would say to you, if you were sitting in a seat, buckle it up, because we are going to have some fun, I hope. Um, Buckle up, buttercup. (laughs) Yeah, really, buckle it up. But we're going to be anchored in discipline, and it starts with you. So the first slide is my sweet family. Um, and I've got my husband, uh, Blaine, and then my daughter uh, to the left of Blaine is Sally. She is 23. My son, Blaine, just turned 20. He is at OU. Um, Sally's at DTS. She graduated from uh, A&M. And then Gracie's a junior in high school. So for those of you that know me, I always tell you, you know, those marbles, you know, you have 18 in a jar and you take one out. I just got down, Gracie just celebrated her 17th birthday, so sadly enough, I have a one marble left. So I am really, this was great to dive into it for me because I've still got work to do. And then that's just us. Gracie's a Wrangler at Lake Highlands, and so that was a picture we did at the auction. Okay, this is my family, you guys. Um, I know most of you, but for those of you that don't know, I'm Mandy Sisko. I'm married to Lance, and he is on staff here at Watermark, and we get to hang out with um, pre-married type people, which is really fun and keeps us young. I have four kiddos. Allie is our only girl. She's our oldest. She's 11. Caleb on the far left is 10. And then these two little nuggets in the front just celebrated their birthdays in the last week. And Riley just turned eight and Griffin just turned six, which is so crazy. Like yesterday, Griffin was a baby. So I don't know what happened. Um, But I really love my kiddos and they are um, super fun to love on and Um, One of the things that I haven't shared from the nest stage before and that many of you might not know is that I get the chance to um, be a lifeguard instructor, which is kind of a little side job. I like to have lots of little side jobs. And one of them is to um, be a lifeguard instructor. And I go to Pine Cove once a year and teach those college staff um, about lifeguarding. And part of that is teaching them CPR, which a lot of you know is just a technique that um, is used to restore oxygenated blood to all those vital organs. It's necessary if your body is needing um, your body pumped with oxygenated blood. So you've got to put the air in and you've got to pump it through. Think about CPR from the aspect of the victim. If you were the victim and someone needed to do CPR on you and what that would feel like. And I know that it would be super uncomfortable because the pressure that you have to put on somebody to get that to happen, two and a half inches to push down on that chest and to pump that stuff would be very unpleasant. You would probably be 
getting your bones broken. It isn't something you would choose. Yes, please me. I would love for someone to perform CPR on me is not what you would choose. And it's no different with discipline because the Bible says that it does, it is not pleasant at the time. We've been hanging out all year in Hebrews 12 um, and talking about being anchored in different things. And today we're going to be talking about being anchored in discipline. And it takes us to Hebrews 12, 7 through 11. I'm going to read it from the message today. I actually have quite a few things that we're going to read in the message version today, just because it gives your ears a little bit different wording to hear, and maybe you'll hear something in a new way. So here's Hebrews 12, 7 through 11. My dear child, don't shrug off God's discipline, but don't be crushed by it either. It's the child he loves that he disciplines. The child he embraces, he also corrects. God is educating you. That's why you must never drop out. He's treating you as dear children. This trouble you're in isn't punishment, it's training. The normal experience of children. Only irresponsible parents leave children to fend for themselves. Would you prefer an irresponsible God? We respect our own parents for training and not spoiling us. So why not embrace God's training so we can truly live? While we were children, our parents did what seemed best to them, but God is doing what is best for us training us to live God's holy best. At the time, discipline isn't much fun. It always feels like it's going against the grain. Later, of course, it pays off handsomely, for it's the well-trained who find themselves mature in their relationship with God. And I just love the way the message spells out for us what biblical discipline is when it says biblical discipline is training to live God's holy best. I love that. And I know in Hebrews 12, what basically is God is telling the Hebrew Christians that the adversity, the adversity that they face is from his loving hand. It's not because they were bad. It's just that God wants the best life for them. He wants the best life for us. I love the, su the subtitle in the NLT for Hebrews 12 says, God's discipline proves his love. And so as a parent, when we think about discipline, it really is about loving our children, and loving ourselves enough to discipline ourselves. Because guys, I know when we've been in, in Hebrews 12, you know, it just dawned on me, I'm sure everybody else knows this, but it starts out with therefore. Well, that means it's there for a reason. And so I think any time that God puts that in front, like therefore, since you're surrounded by a cloud of witnesses, I think we got to sit on the edge of our seat as Christians and kind of listen up and think, okay, I really got to have my listening ears on because this is there for a reason and I need to see why it's there. So the reason, it's funny, I'm a dental hygienist and I had just renewed my CPR uh, license and we were trying to think of a way to present this and I walked by my, by my window to the front door and there was a, and I should have put it up there, there was a leaf and it was shaped in the shape of a heart. And I thought, oh my gosh, the lady kept saying, we're here to save lives. And I thought, that's what discipline is, to save lives. And because if left untreated, you know, it leads to death and an unpleasant life for the rest of your life. So that's why it's important to teach it. But CPR, we're going to start with the C, which is going to be the condition of the heart. And so what you do is the heart of every issue is about the heart. And the condition of the heart, the natural nature of the heart is corrupt. But it's capable. And so that's what we're going to be teaching. And then the principles are God's best for us. They're, they're the roadmap that God gave us in truth. And then we're going to go with the realities. And that's what we got to be all in for and ready to go. So the condition of the heart. Oh, I went backwards on that. So sin began at the apple. Because of Adam and Eve's uh, sinful nature and because they ate of the apple, then that's where sin became 
evident. And so when it says in um, Genesis 8, 21, it says every inclination of the human heart is wicked at birth, at childhood. And so we need to realize that that sweet baby, that was my Blaine, who would have thought? I mean, I, I seriously say to moms all the time, if Blaine acted the way he did at two and three, at this, I would have left him at the hospital and cut the tag. I would never have cut the tags off. I would have given him back. But thank goodness the Lord let me fall in love with him enough that I didn't have to, you know, really jump in there and discipline. Because you know what? What's so startling to me is that when you see that sinful nature start coming out, that natural sin nature, it's shocking. I mean, you're, I have more moms call me and go, oh my gosh, my, my child had their first temper tantrum. And I go, what'd you do? And they go, I just sat and watched. I couldn't believe it. And so I think that's our natural inclination because this is what it describes the heart. Um, deceitful, wicked, discontented, self-centered, evil thoughts, anguish, violent tempers, idle, hypocrisy, cunning, envious. And if left untreated, it really does lead us to death. What's really interesting, though, is when I was reading, okay, it says folly is bound up in the heart of the child, and that's what we've talked about. Folly is. It doesn't say there's a possibility. It doesn't say maybe, some not, some so. It says folly is. And so we need to, uh-oh, I'm like one step ahead of myself. Um, it says we really need to focus on that, that it is bound up in the heart of the child. And there's that one verse there that says, the rod and the reproof give wisdom, but a child left of themselves bring shame to his or her mother. Well, that verse is so true. And I've seen that many times play itself out when parents didn't do their best to discipline their children. But what's interesting is what the world is finding out with sociologists and also um, psychologists, they're now learning that not only children left to themselves, but anybody left to themselves leads, I mean, it doesn't go well for them in a fallen and sinful world. Parents and, and adults left to themselves, I mean, they'll make bad decisions that produce pain and turmoil in their lives. Relationships won't work. Money will be mismanaged and debt will pile up. Conflicts will erupt both within and without and long-term goals will never be realized. So this is one of my favorite verses about six months ago and I've kind of moved on since then, but it's still important to me because I <laughs> see it all too well. And there's two, this is in um, Romans 7, 21 through 25. And it's just basically saying that we've got, we got the sin from Adam and there's two laws at work within all of us. I don't care how good you are or how evil in your heart it can be, they, they're constantly wrestling with each other. And so we've got to keep going back to where we know we need to be and that's with Jesus Christ. In verse 24 and 25, it says, who will rescue me from this body of death? Thanks be to God through Jesus Christ our Lord. So now we understand once you have that condition of the heart, I mean, we are all broken, flawed, imperfect people. And so once you realize that the condition of your heart is evil and we've got to keep working toward being uh, right with the Lord and connected to his vine, then I think we just need to know that discipline is going to be a part of it, but we want to have the abundant life. So we need to have that for us. When we started talking about this, it was like, be the parent or be the person that you're called to be and then stay close enough to your kids that you rub off on them. Mm -hmm. Yep. And um, so what Millie's trying to say too um, is that our hearts are just as flawed as our kids' hearts. So sometimes when we talk about discipline, we think, oh my goodness, like look at all the sin that's bound up in that child. 
folly is bound up in the heart of a child. But Proverbs 9.13 says that folly can be bound up in your heart as well because it's telling us that, um, that when we're undisciplined, we're choosing that life of folly. And I think I have that on a slide yeah, somewhere. Yeah, you do. It's right there. Romans 9.13. Yeah. The woman of folly is loud. She's undisciplined and without knowledge. And so this is what we're trying to avoid. I don't think that any of you guys walked into this room with the type of heart condition that um, that's what my picture, this is Caleb after he had his heart surgery. And I look at this picture often to remind me of where we, where we, are, where we can be if we're left to ourselves. If we had left him to himself, he would, he would not have lived. But instead, he had heart surgery, got repair job. None of, probably no one walked in this room in this heart of, of a place, heart condition-wise. But it is time for a good checkup, wouldn't you say? As parents, it's time to go, okay, where is my heart and what is my heart condition now? So here's two of my babies getting their hearts checked um, not too long ago. And so what today is going to be for us is kind of that. Let's get a pulse on what the condition of our heart is, and let's go from there. Because Millie told you how corrupt the heart is, but the heart is capable too. When we found out we were going to go with CPR and run with the heart, um, I just did a little word study in God's Word. Okay, where is heart mentioned in the Bible? Good grief. I would not have time. I would probably have to spend the whole year to go through all of those scriptures. But I did write down all of the adjectives to describe it. And for capable, there was trusting, stirred, steadfast, peaceful, happy, cheerful, grateful, thankful, glad, righteous, upright, wise, discerning, devoted, and many, many, many more. But we want you to know that although our hearts are corrupt, they are also capable. It was one, it was real important to me because this is just the way my kids went to a school where they're uh, the head, not master, but the lady that started the school was her uh, doctorate was done in learning styles. And so in that school, they present it visually hands-on and auditory. And so it was real important to me not to have a lot of information. So I really want you to listen. I want you to see slides that kind of can stir your memory because a lot of times I see things and that's an image that I get left with and it makes the most impact on me. But I also want you to write things down. So we didn't put a lot of the scriptures and we did give you some things to write. I mean, you know, if you think of something like we didn't put, this scripture is, is a great pro promise and a principle from the Lord. It said, I will give you a new heart and I will put a new spirit in you. I will take out your stony, stubborn heart and give you a tender, responsive heart. And that's in Ezekiel 36, 26. So when we talked about going, you know, I started telling, I'd heard this a long time ago. Methods are many, principles are few. Methods always change, principles never do. So that was going to be our P. What are the principles? What are the precepts? What are the truths that we need to be listening to and, and really guiding our lives on? Because listen, methods, you can, you can be on, you know, the Whole30 and on Paleo and, you know, I mean, you can be on all kinds of diets, all kinds of this. How do you potty train this way, that way? There can be so many methods. But when it comes to really parenting and training and teaching your children, there's no method like God's Word. And so we need to be going back there. And so we're going to be talking about a lot of principles. And so we're going to start with... What, what are principles? What are just a few principles that the Lord uses on training uh, or, or, or discipline? And so one is that it trains. And it tra says here, and when, the nice thing about the visual that the Lord gives you on train, when you think about training and discipline, you obviously, a lot of people think about exercise. So it says, train yourself for the purpose of godliness. It, is, it says also, train yourself for the purpose of godliness but there's also a training for physical training, and that is good and beneficial for some reasons, but there's nothing like the training that you do for godliness. It is profitable for all things since it holds promise for the present life and also the life to come. 
So when you think about trains, you think about training in the physical sense, but when you think about trains, you think about tracks. And I think about tracks, and the most likely, I mean, that is what makes a train go. If a train doesn't have tracks, then it doesn't go very far, and there's no freedom and abundant life for a train if it's off its tracks. And so this morning, of course, I told Mandy, I said, I'm going to so go off strip, script because that's the way I roll. But I was thinking about the train tracks. And so what we're trying to teach y'all is in 2, um, 2 Timothy 3, 16 through 18, it says, all scripture is God-breathed, and it's useful for teaching, rebuking, correcting, and training toward righteousness. And so what Mandy and I are really trying to impress upon you, if you look at the tracks, the track on the left could be teaching. And then the middle is the rebuking and the correcting part. And on the outside is the training. Those are the things that really are going to keep your kids and keep you on the right track, is knowing that it's a lot heavier on the teaching and training than it is on the rebuking and the correcting. So I think that's important. It also expresses love. In Proverbs, God tells us that his discipline always grows out of the love and is for the benefit of his children. It doesn't say God, God's discipline always grows out of the love and it is designed to make mommy look good. It doesn't say that. It's really always to help us have that abundant life. It's for our benefit. And then it also, I cut open my, I was doing my little juice the other day and I cut open my orange and I got a Sunday a little uh, heart, and that is produces fruit. And fruit from the Lord, guys, is so sweet. And so it's just, like it says, God's, um, no discipline seems pleasant at the time, but painful, but it produces a harvest of righteousness and peace to those who have been trained by it. So his sweet is so, his fruit is so sweet. And, and Proverbs 22, 6 says, train up a child in the way he should go, and when he is old, he will not turn from it. We're on our now realities, and the reality is just that we have a hard job to do. Parenting is hard, amen? amen. Oh, that was not enough amens in the room. <laughs> Y'all don't even need to be here then, you know? And all the people said? Seriously. Okay. I mean, come on. We, this is a marathon and not a sprint, and I forget that most days and get easily, easily exhausted. And so just remember that we're in this for the long haul. It is not going to happen tomorrow. Yes, and another way to say that is this is not an event, it's a process. So you're not, it's not just one little bitty thing. So it says that, wouldn't it be sad, guys, if this verse said, train up a child in the way he should go and he will not depart from it. Well, we'd all just check out and say, well, I'm going home. Because it says, and when he is old, and I'm telling you, I've had to look at my kids many times and go, they're not old yet. There are muddy water periods. And I'm just telling you, roll your, roll your pant legs up. There are muddy water periods where you are really looking at it, and that is where your kids are getting sharpened, and you just have to be the parent that says, you know, one of, the, one of my favorite sayings, and I say it all the time, is God has chosen suffering as a way to perfect his children, and why as parents do we deny our children that grace? We, we just got to let them suffer sometimes. We've got to suffer sometimes. So true. Deuteronomy 6, 5 through 9 is one of my favorites also. Love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your strength. These commands I give you to be upon your hearts. And this is the part I want to focus on for a minute. Impress them on your children. And I've been hanging out on that sentence for a little bit this week and kind of looking into what that means. And impress, ready for it, means to repeat. How many people repeated themselves this morning? <laughs> okay, this is where you all raise your hand because that's what moms do. That is what happens. We find ourselves repeating all the time and sometimes getting exhausted in that repetition. But Deuteronomy 6 is reminding us that that's our job as moms, 
That's what we're supposed to be doing is impressing things on our kids. So you're going to hear that word come up all throughout our talk. Um, know, too, that sometimes as a mom, I feel like, oh, well, okay, we, we're past that season. You know, like I worked with Allie online for a good year, and yay, we're past it. But dagnabbit, if it didn't come up second grade year, third grade year, fourth grade year, fifth grade year, now there's been more stretch in between, but we're still revisiting the same things over and over and over again. And I was getting discouraged with that until I realized... I'm getting the opportunity to impress it again and impress it again. And so pray for new ways to impress things upon your child. Pray for other adults to speak truths into your kids that you're trying to impress on them. I think that word impress is going to stick with me for a while. For us, when I need to impress something on our kids, when I see like, oh, we are off the tracks when it comes to this particular thing, I always love to make a sticker chart. This last summer, my kids were the most selfish human beings on the face of the earth. We win that award. And so <laughs> I said, hey, here's what we're going to do. I'm going to make a sticker chart. And when every time that you guys are caught putting yourselves second, then we're going to put a sticker on the chart. And we're all going to go get snow cones when we do this. And this is a group effort. This isn't, you know, you versus you. This is family all needs to do it. And so if dad's caught being second, sticker on the chart. If little guy's caught being second, sticker on the chart. And we're going to work our way to that. And then we're going to celebrate that we were putting others first. We were doing Philippians 2 in our family. And so sticker charts are always a good way. They're not constant at my house, but if I need to impress something upon my kids, then we're going to throw one up on the fridge. Okay, great. Well, you know, I had a spiritual mom that I kind of, men she mentored me and she was, you know, a little bit older than me, but I would always go, oh my gosh, Suzanne, I feel like I'm beating a dead horse. And she would always go, Millie, that is called rooting and grounding. That is called rooting and grounding. And I feel like that's what I've done my whole time with my kids is a lot of rooting and grounding. So I love this verse right here. That's my sweet fella. He was still sweet then. But um, it says, sow your seed in the morning, and at the evening do not let your hands be idle. For you do not know which will succeed, whether this or that, or, or, whether, which, or whether both will do equally well. I get twisted up on that. Um, that's Ecclesiastes 11.6. And so, guys, there's a lot of sowing. And I would tell you, one of the things that I really think about a lot is that when, when, God, when the Lord really describes a disciplined mom, he talks a lot about words like diligent and do not let your hands be idle and caring and nurturing and full of wisdom and faithful. And so there's just so many things. And that's just a sweet image to me when you really think about it. So it says just do not let your hands be idle. That just means we're going to be working a lot. So... <clears throat> Okay, and to another point to the realities is just that it's refining and it's hard. We talked about that a little bit, but this is our greatest tool for refinement. Um, I wouldn't be the person I am if it weren't for all of the hard parenting moments that I've had in the last 11 years. I think you guys would probably say the same. Um, often I have to remind myself, we're parenting for character and not for comfort. And that's one of my taglines that I say to myself a lot. And if, when I start parenting for comfort, then I get entitled and I get frustrated and I kind of get hopeless. That's when I get to those hopeless points as a parent, when I'm like, Ugh, nothing's ever going to work out. Or it's not going to go right. But no, we're parenting for character, the character of our kiddos. And Proverbs 31, 18 in the message has also been speaking to me lately. It says she senses the worth of her work and is in no hurry to call it quits for the day. I love that. I love that, and that has been what I've been wanting to be able to say every time I lay my head on the pillow at night, is that, okay, I'm in no hurry to call it quits today because I sense that what I'm doing is worthwhile. Mm -hmm. um, I, want, um, 
I want us to be able to say that as mamas, and I know that some days aren't like that. You want to share Ecclesiastes? No, that I just did. I kind of oh, switched one. on you. You know, oh, I'm going to do sorry. that to you yep. a little bit. Okay. Um, <laughs> so here's where we're going to pivot turn just a little bit um, and get into kind of a little bit of the meat, but in a different way than you're used to hearing on discipline. Um, the Lord is really clear that um, we can't give away what we don't have. Okay. And I love in Luke 6 where he gives us three different ways to see that. He says, what happens when the blind lead the blind? They end up in a pit. Um, a student can't teach a teacher. And the last one is um, that a person with a speck in their eye can't, or a person with a plank in their eye can't point to the person with a speck in their eye and point out what's wrong. And so I just love, he's being humorous. He's using humor to get us to see the point that we can't give away what we don't have. And so I don't want us to spend a lifetime pointing at our kids constantly and going, oh, you need to work on this and you need to correct that and that behavior's wrong and we need to fix this and we need to fix that. I want us to be the type of moms that can say, follow me as I follow the example of Christ, like it says in 1 Corinthians 11.1. 1. And so we are going to kind of start to, to pick apart discipline a little bit today. We're going to talk about what needs a checkup in our heart and how is that going to overflow into helping us train our kiddos, okay? So it's going to be a little bit different because a lot of people are used to hearing discipline as... Um, responding, uh, reacting to something unruly. Uh, there's bad behavior over here, and so I have to discipline it. And it's kind of seen as something that I have to um, react to. And we're going to go back to the CPR scenario. When I teach CPR, I don't let them put on gloves. I don't let them touch the mannequin. I don't give them a little resuscitation mask until we talk about the first steps. And the first step is <clears throat> if someone's in an emergency situation, you're supposed to check the scene and make sure that the scene is safe. You don't approach that person until the scene is safe. And so for us, if we don't want to be reactors as mommies, but we want to be first responders, we got to check the scene and make sure the scene is safe. It's my heart in the right place to train and discipline in this moment right now. And so I just want to encourage you guys to really think that through. And um, that's our, our big thing. Check the scene. The scene is safe. And so I think when we see something happening, when that tantrum is happening, when something's out of line or somebody... A kid, you know, two siblings are in a squabble or whatever. The first thought should be, okay, check my heart. Is my heart safe to enter into this training moment right here? The second thing that they do, check the scene, the scene is safe, and then they're supposed to touch the victim if it's safe to do so and say, hey, hey, are you okay? I know that y'all didn't know y'all were going to get a CPR lesson today, but you are. Um, and so that's what's next is the concern is not for me. I don't check the scene, make sure the scene is safe, and then be concerned about myself in the moment. My concern and my love is for the person that is misbehaving or for whatever needs to be dealt with at the moment. So check the scene. The scene is safe. Check my heart. My heart is safe. Hey, are you okay? And then we can talk about heart issues past that. Uh, 2 Timothy 3.16, uh, this is one that Millie already shared. I know. Do you want to, you forgot about the little uh, wood in your eye. Do you want to say that? Or? I already said it. Oh, I, I was not good. All scripture is God-breathed and useful for teaching, uh -oh. rebuking, correcting, and training in righteousness. She I'm said this when she was talking about the, rail, the railroads and the mm -hmm. hemmed in on either side. And we love this. That's why we put it in green and made it really big. Useful for teaching and training. Those are our bookends. Okay, and a lot of times with discipline, we focus on that rebuking and that correcting, and we today are going to camp out on the other two. 
Okay. Yeah. So sorry about that on the. That's okay, baby. I'm, I already got my pink. Where's my pink slip? I'm gonna be. I'm gonna be kicked out of here. <laughs> um, anyway, flag. so he, okay. So now we're talking about the teaching and the training. And so you know, I have moms that call me, and and usually when they sit in a discipline talk, it's like, okay, let's get to the spanking part. And the minute you start talking about the rod, or then they all kind of therefore, you know, they're there for that reason. And that's really not. We've got to rethink what we're doing. Um, we can't be always thinking that it's got to be spankings or the corrective part of it. That is part of it. And the good news is it says the rod and the reproof, but I will tell you the reproof is a lot bigger because it says it's short-term pain, long-term gain. And so what I, um, when Blaine was uh, young and I was disciplining him all the time, I had two scriptures that I always tried to use, and I'm telling you, Scripture is something that is so, it is a script, guys, that you can use, and it works every time. I'm just telling you, it re does not return void. Um, it really works in the hearts of your people. So I would always say obedience and, um, obedience and, and well, I'd, I'd use the obedience, the Philippians 2.14, do all things without arguing and complaining. Because, and then I would use obedience, doing what I'm told, when I'm told, with a cheerful and trusting heart. And so I would use those two things, and then I would also use the no discipline seems pleasant at the time. So if he disrespected me and I had to go get my wooden spoon, that was just my form of discipline, I would walk in thinking to myself, no discipline seems pleasant at the time, but painful, but it produces a harvest of righteousness and peace to those who have been trained by it. So if you've heard me speak before, you know that I wasn't sure who got the righteousness and the peace, but I knew it was up for grabs. So I was going to stand firm on that, on that truth. Well... I never really, I mean, I started seeing fruit a little bit along the way, but my biggest fruit came in 2008 when I was standing at camp picking Blaine up, and the coaches always pick two godly character traits for every camper at TBRM. And so I'm standing there in great anticipation, what did they see in my child today and, or over this whole week? And so the little coach was sitting up there, and he goes, the two traits I've chosen for Blaine Hale is peaceful and obedient. And I literally started bawling. And he was like looking at me, kind of goes, oh, yeah, when we ask the group to put their shoes on, we look over and Blaine's the first one with the shoes on. And then the coach comes over to me and says, are you okay? And I said, oh, my gosh, I'm just enjoying a fruit salad. I mean, just let me, because, I, and he goes, what? And I go, just never mind. But I said, you know, these things were something that I, you know, really constantly was going back to. And so my encouragement to you is don't grow weary in doing good for at the proper time, in due time, you will reap a harvest. But guys, sometimes it's eight to nine to 10 years later. The farmer did not plant the seeds of corn this morning and had that on the menu for dinner. I mean, it just didn't work that way. It is a slow process. It is, but it does come and it is delicious. So I would just tell you, it says in there also the rod, when I said the rod and the reproof, it also says in that Proverbs 29, 15, the rod and the reproof give wisdom. Well, let me tell you, you can tell your kids all day long, that stove is hot. That's going to burn. That, that's hot. That's going to burn. And that's knowledge for them. But when they touch the stove, suddenly it becomes wisdom. And so for parents too, the more we, we revisit the principles and we get that knowledge and we go over and we go over it, and then we look back and think, oh my gosh, that's so coming true. God, it, it gives us wisdom as mothers. She speaks with wisdom and faithful instruction is on her tongue. Dive into the principles. So discipline, we are going to really, this is going to be love-driven 
not problem-driven. You're going to have to identify problems. I'm not going to lie to you. There's going to be issues that you're going to have to deal with. But let's really try to go out and love. I guess I don't know that that's an Im the image of a disciplined mom, but that's real <laughs> life. I mean, let's be honest. Okay, so what Mandy's in my hope is if you change the way you look at things, then the things you look at change. So now we're going to give you, we are going to let you have a little second. A little, um, a little second, a little hot minute. minute. Um, so what is the condition or the current condition of your heart and what capable heart condition would you commit to praying over to the Lord for this week? Just one little thing. So we'll give you all a second or two. Sorry about that on the slide. All right, before y'all get too chatty on us and we can't rein you back in, we're just going to cut it off. Hopefully you got a chance to kind of reflect on your own heart a little bit. We don't get times as moms to think about where we are and how we're feeling and what's going on in our life. Um, typically when I do that, I end up crying on a bathroom floor somewhere. So. Um, so hopefully everybody was able to hold it together a little better than that. But um, as we break into this next part, that first section was really short. And, um, and the front page of your notes was just kind of a few tidbits about it. But if you'll flip over to the back, there's a place for you to take a few notes on each of the principles we're about to dive into. And then that little square in the bottom with the polka dots is going to make a whole lot more sense as we keep talking. So just uh, track with us a little bit there. But um, as we remember what Millie said, that um, methods are many, but principles are few. The principles are what don't change. And so that's where we're driving for the next hour. And that's why we say buckle up, because we're going to go a long time, but hopefully bouncing back between the two of us will keep you all slightly interested in what's happening. Um, but this list, I want you to know the things that are listed on the back of your notes, that's not an exhaustive list of principles by any stretch of the imagination. It's just what two women decided were pretty important to them. And so we're going to share those with you, but know that those lists can continue. So you keep thinking about the, the principles that you find in God's word that you would like to add and develop in your own heart and in the hearts of your kiddos. We're going to start okay, with solitude. I think that, okay, our first, um, our first little deal, you want to do it? No. Okay, our first little thing is going to be, I want you just to, where the red dot is, I want you just to take your marker and just really, uh, or, or pen or whatever, and really just color in one of those dots. Darken it in. Darken it in. Make it a okay. big dot. So solitude. Well, the minute you say solitude to a young mom, they immediately think, oh, I do not. That, that means time to them. And they're like, I just don't have time. I mean, I've just got too much to do. But one time, a long time ago, I heard a pastor talk about solitude. And he was talking about, he called it the Christmas toods. And he said that, um, you know, when you, and he was just because a lot of times Christmas can kind of lead you down a, a I guess, a path of, de, of um, despair and anxiety. And he was talking about just having the Christmas twos, which is solitude, because when you think about songs at Christmas, it's like, oh, little town of Bethlehem, silent night, those type of things. So he said, if you'll spend some solitude with God, He'll change your attitude, he'll replace it in your heart with gratitude, and he'll lift you to a new altitude. And I'm going to tell you, I think that is so true. When I spend time with the Lord, my heart changes, how I look at things, my perspective. Like I said, the, th the way you look at things changes. So solitude, every time my husband comes home um, from work or anything, he goes straight to a drawer in our, in our closet and he puts change in it. And sometimes it's just a penny and sometimes it's a quarter and a nickel and a dime. 
But it's amazing to me to watch the way that that builds. And so I just think, you know, all the little small steps, every daily deposit that you put in that intimacy with Christ, in an intimacy with the Lord, it adds up. But the key to that is those small deposits that are made with regularity. And so we've been talking about anchoring, and that's what drives your anchor deeper and deeper, more solid. Because frankly, if you just have an anchor that's barely sitting in the water, then it is so swayed by the emotions of life. And so the more you can drive that in. And so I think the thing that's the most important to me is priority. If you really set out, you get done. If you think about just your day tomorrow, whatever you prioritize, whether that was taking clothes to the dry cleaners or getting this done, you got it done because that was your priority. And so I think if we'll rethink about what it is and we prioritize it because the priority then becomes, if you prioritize it, then you get it done. So you've got to really think, what does the Lord want us to prioritize? Well, he says, seek first the kingdom of God and all these things will be given to you. Um, I know for myself that when I prioritized, when Sally was little, we did this thing called Awanas at Northwest Bible. And so we would, every Wednesday night, we would get in the car and it was the same routine. Oh my gosh, where's your, where's your Awanas book? Oh, okay, go get it. And I was like, what's the verse we're learning? And she'd say, seek first the kingdom of God and all these things. So all the way, you know, from Lake Highlands to Northwest Bible, we would learn her verse. And I finally thought, oh my gosh, I, I can't do this anymore. And so when we were walking to the car that night, I said, where's your Awana's book? And so I sit, stored her Awana's book right at the top of my visor. So that whole week, we didn't learn one verse. We didn't learn two verses. I think we went four verses. So then when I picked her up like about three or four weeks later, everybody was like, Sally's in the blue book and Sally's in the green book. We were blowing through those books like none other because I had that above there. And I, when you walk along the road or drive in the car, I was making use of my time. And so I prioritized that. And recently, I cleaned out my kid's closet. While Gracie was out of town on that uh, Washington trip, I wanted to surprise her by redoing her whole, whole room. And let me tell you guys, I had the most fun. I found that, that thing from Blaine with the obedience and the peaceful, and I found this. And there's two great things I see about this thing. This little thing that Gracie made when, you, when she was little said, you are a good mom, you are pretty, and you are a good, I'm thinking that's dancer, and I'm also thankful for spell check. My kids have never been great spellers, but I think I am kind of a good dancer. I was showing that earlier. But it said, you like God, me too. You like God. I mean, that just warmed my heart because I thought, you know what? I mean, I'd start getting teared up. Um, she saw at that little, that was when she was little bitty. She saw that I liked God. And really, guys, liking God is different than loving God. Liking God means you have a friendship with him. It means he's important to you. And so I pray that for y'all because let me tell you, if you can make that your priority, then you're, we have a rule in our house, have-tos before want-tos, and that's just the way we roll. And as a mother, if you can start doing have-tos before you want-tos, then when your kids get in school and they say, oh, can I go home with Susie? You're like, do you have any homework? You know what? Have-tos before your want-tos. Let's go home and do your homework, and then I'll take you over to Susie's. You've got to kind of establish that. Um, I love this in, uh, this is Psalm 119, but it just says, you or I delight in your decrees. I will not neglect your word. And on the side of that, it says staying in God's word is about intimacy, not information. And guys, I've always said, you know, as a young mom, you don't have a lot of time, you know, listen to podcasts, listen to blogs, you know, do this. Shame on me. Shame on me. 
Those are, I mean, I think JP probably said this, but there are, those are supplements. There is no substitute for opening up this word. And I will tell you, open up your Bible, put it on your kitchen table. The other day I was talking to my mom who's recently had radiation on her brain again. And I was telling my mom, you know, I'd had a quiet time that morning and I was saying, Oh, there's a verse, Mom. It says, um, the heart of the wretched is oppressed, but the cheerful heart has a continual feast. And I just felt so much joy that morning. And I was telling my mom, who doesn't know really anything about the Bible, I said, oh my gosh, I can't remember. I can't remember where that is. But I said, I know it's in Proverbs. And I know it's up in the right-hand corner. I could see it in my brain. And I looked at it, and my mom's sitting there, and I'm like, Proverbs 15, 15. She's like, okay, whatever. But I was so happy because, guys, I had spent time there. I could see it in my mind. I could visualize it. And I see moms, the phone. I love Bible apps, and sometimes I have to use them, but there's no substitute for spending time with your Bible open. And, you know, the greatest thing, Sally told me years ago that she really wanted my Bible someday. Well, guys, that... She knows I like God, and I love Him too. So I want that for y'all. And so I'm just saying if you can just put um, those deposits in there and just make notes. Leave your Bible open in the morning. Put it on Psalm 119. When you walk by to put laundry in, just read one little thing and say, oh, I like that. Put a little asterisk there. You know, just do something that makes that deposit, that little regularity of deposit. Yeah, and I wanted to, I told her I wanted to chime in on this part. I'm reading this awesome book. I can't give it enough plugs. Everyone's tired of me talking about it. This is the best book I've read in a long time. Uninvited, listen to what she says about solitude. Imagine a little girl running with a cup in her hand, sloshing out all it contains. She thinks what will fill her is just ahead, just a little further. She presses on with determination and clenched teeth and an empty cup clutched tight. She keeps running toward an agenda he never set and one that will never satisfy. She sees him and she holds her cup out but she catches only a few drops as she runs by because she didn't stop long enough to get filled up. Empty can't be tempered with mere drops. And I love that. And I love the picture of, hey, we can just run by and grab a little and hope that we have enough to go, or we can sit down and fill her up. And I think what Millie's trying to say is fill her up, feast on God's word, and it's going to pay off in the end. Um, when I started coming to Watermarks, I don't, so somebody was creative and came up with this and it wasn't me, but I've heard it a hundred times. And so maybe you have too, but I can drink this cup in one big gulp and drink it all down right here, right now, or I can sip on it all day long. I'm going to get the same amount out of this cup, no matter what. And I think as moms, that is such a good reminder to us because our quiet times aren't lengthy. They aren't uninterrupted. They are um, scattered sometimes and they are always interrupted. But what Millie's saying is, Open your Bible, start reading. If you get interrupted, leave it open. Go deal with what you need to deal with. And when you, see, when you walk by later, you're going to see that it's open and go, oh, yeah, I was reading something. And go back and read it a little bit more. You get, un, you get interrupted again and just come back and forth to it. Those are some of my richest days when I keep walking by my Bible and then catching another glimpse of it or rereading the same thing over and over again because the same things that we want to impress on our children, he wants to impress on us. Um, I like to write my kids' names in my Bible. This is just two examples, things that I'll like circle, and that's their a scripture I'm praying over them. I've got a kid that's not sleeping at night, so I've got a verse that, that I've written her name by in this date in uh, 2017 on there. And so think about doing that. I know Amy Holm like color codes hers, which is awesome, Amy, wherever you are. Um, and she has like a certain color for one kid and a certain color for another, and that's good too. 
Um, and then as far as passing on solitude to our children, um, just wanted to give you all a little encouragement when my kids are in school during the school year, and so our mornings are a little more rushed. But during the summer, I try to make an intentional effort to pass along um, just the discipline of solitude. And so I have a picture of them um, in their Bibles and doing their thing. <clears throat> in, in the summertime, I have a huge basket in my living room, and I leave journals, crayons, markers, pens, uh, coloring books that are about God's word, um, bi regular Bibles for my bigger kids, picture Bibles for my little kids. It's just, it's filled with anything that has to do with Jesus is in this basket, okay? And um, in the summer, our normal routine is I get up and I throw something on the table easy. It's usually cereal. Sorry for anyone that offends. And, um, and then I turn on a little bit of music and I sit down with my coffee and my breakfast and my Bible and I start reading. Now, granted, I got up at 6.30 and did that so I could have a really solid quiet time. But I want them to see me being in God's word. So I revisit whatever I was visiting or maybe I journal what I learned earlier in the morning. And then they have the opportunity to come and join in at whatever facet they want to. I don't require them to do it. I don't force them to do it. It can last two minutes. And I've had some of my kids sit there for an hour before, working on whatever they see important and necessary. I don't get a lot accomplished in that time because they're wanting me to read them something or show me what they wrote in their journal or show me the picture that they colored, and that's fine. But I'm just trying to pass along and impress on them that time with Jesus in the morning is important. So that's it. And Okay, respect. We are going to take our marker uh -oh. Oh, and... Just pick another red dot. Really doesn't matter which one it is. These are the principles that we are impressing. And so we're trying to give you the illustration that like, hey, we're revisiting this again, okay? We're impressing this on our kids and on ourselves. First Peter 2.17 says, Show proper respect to everyone. Love the brotherhood of believers. Fear God and honor the king. And the opposite of respect is to dishonor. I always like to know both so that I can talk to my kids about both and so I can remember that for myself. Um, respect comes in lots of forms. It can be our tone, our facial expressions, our gestures, can even be written word, which in this day and age means social media and texting. Um, our homes need to be a place where respect is the expectation and it goes on all levels. It's husband to wife, it is parents to children, children to parents, and then siblings as well. And so just having an overarching theme that in this house, we respect one another. And really, all the time, we respect others. So for us, we're going to focus on our own hearts for a minute as far as respect goes, okay? I hope to not step on too many toes, but kind of want to, okay? <laughs> um, because the Lord's been stepping on mine Nothing I'm about to share with you has been off my radar. It's been things that he's been working on my heart on. Um, so respect for others. And um, that would include our in-laws and our relationship with them. And sometimes those are tricky relationships. And so how are we treating our in-laws? How are we showing them respect? How are we loving them well? Um, strangers. Um, our com my community group girls are here, and we have gotten to where we meet at La Madeline on Thursday nights. And it dawned on me a few weeks ago that LaMadeline closes at 10 and we stay till 10.30 almost every time. Um, and that is not showing respect to the men and women that work at that restaurant. Ouch, Lord, ouch. Um, how about when we come to events like this? 
Are we showing respect for the people that are speaking on the stage? When the person gets up to give announcements, do we continue our conversation or do we stop? We'll revisit that conversation in a minute because someone is speaking and we need to be listening. That is a chance to show respect to another person. Responding to phone calls, text messages, emails. I cannot tell you how many RSVPs went unanswered from the Cisco home this year. And it's not showing respect for the person that is trying to plan an event when you don't respond to an RSVP. Timeliness, when we don't honor other people and respect other people and we're late places, um, it, just sh- it, it, it is being disrespectful. These are all really hard for me to say out loud <laughs> because I struggle here and I don't do a good job at this. But here's the thing. We're requiring respect from our little ones but we're choosing to be disrespectful in our own lives. And so this is the heart check that I was talking about. Everyone's staring at me like (laughs) with angry eyes. Okay. Um, So as a parent, then we're, we're respecting, we're expecting that from our kiddos, that they would be respectful to friends and strangers because they see mommy do that. They see mommy be respectful to the people at La Madeline. Um, One of the things we can do as parents is just training manners in our kids, just straight up manners, just table manners. And I I don't know about y'all, but I got four kids and someone is always being disrespectful at our dinner table. Um, But one of the things that we've started doing, um, and again, off and on, because I'm not not super great at being consistent, um, but that's why I like sticker charts and throwing things up there for a season um, because it helps us to impress in the moment. We get a big, long tapered candle I will put um, usually three marks because we got, you know, we got to start baby steps, three permanent marks down the candle, and then I will pick a few things that we need to work on table manner-wise, okay? And in our house right now, it is not interrupting and staying in your seat. Those are just the two that drive me absolutely bonkers and make me insane, okay? We'll work on, like, not talking with your mouth full of food later, but these are the two. <laughs> um, so you can think of what, what, what do we need to be working on here, table manner-wise, so that you can learn to show respect to people when you're eating with other people. Um, so those are our two. We'll pray. We'll light the candle. We'll pray. And then um, as long as everyone can abide by those two respectful manners, the candle stays lit. When somebody breaks one of those, candle goes out. We'll try again the next night. Okay, guys? And when we get down to a mark, then there's a reward. Cisco kids feast on sugar, so it's usually dessert. (laughs) Um, You know, like, oh my gosh, we're almost to the line. We're going to go to Brahms and get ice cream, that kind of thing. And so make it fun, but there there are things that we need to be doing as moms to impress upon our kids that it's important to be respectful. The dinner table is absolutely one of those places. Um, I want to teach our kids to take turns and to wait our turn. How are we doing it doing that um, in the car? I just caught myself the other day, you know, just verbally out loud being like, ugh, drive already. (laughs) And Allie was like, you know, said something, and I went, oh, that's just such a terrible way to show her (laughs) how to wait your turn you know, and wait in line, basically. I'm waiting in line in a car, but then when it's her turn to wait in line for something like physically standing, all she's going to remember is that mom goes, you know, and that's just not, it's just not what we want to pass on. Um, Respect for authority. It says that in the verse specifically to honor the king. It's got that in there too. Um, And so, when it, obviously, God is our authority, and so there's a respect issue there that we need to work on. 
um, bringing it back down to the physical earth. Um, what parents, our boss, if we work, are we showing respect to them? And go back in gestures, in written word, in um, all the nonverbal communication too, our eyes, our attitude, and all of that being respectful of them. And then here's a hot button one. I was like, Lord, just please don't make me say that. And he was like, you're going to say it. I was like, okay. Um, in, the, in the office of presidency, um, it is possible to respect a position even if the person holding it is not of honor. And we need to teach our kids that. And so we need to be careful what we say out loud, and we need to be careful what we put on Facebook and what we tweet about. Um, because your kids are going to have teachers that they don't think are worth are honorable people. And is it going to be okay for them to badmouth them or to speak disrespectfully about them? And if not, then let's look at who's been placed in our authority and let's go, okay, I may not think that is an honorable person, but I can respect the fact that you hold a position of authority and I can be respectful. Um, and I'm really working on that with my kiddos because they're coming home saying all sorts of crazy stuff that they're picking up at school. And I keep telling them, hey, not an honorable person, but in a place of authority. And so we need to be respectful with what we say and how we act. Whew. Okay, we got past that. <laughs> all right, deep breath. Okay, respect for property. How can we pass that on to our kids? It means that we don't leave the grocery cart out in the middle of the parking lot that our kids see us go, hey, we used this. It needs to go back to where it came from. That's showing respect. So help mommy take, who wants to help mommy take the grocery cart back to where it goes? Um, taking, things of, taking care of things you borrow. Library is a great place to teach that skill. We borrowed this book. We're going to take care of it. We're going to treat it well. We're going to return it on time, which Cisco's never returned library books on time. So we're working on that. <laughs> Um, offering, when you get invited to someone's house, if you're offering to wash the dishes or clean up when you leave, your kids are going to pick up on that. And so they're going to go to play dates and they're going to go, oh, can I help you clean up before you leave? And maybe not, but another training opportunity, another place to impress it. But let's make sure that we're doing it. As parents, restitution. If you break something, if something happens, let's show our kids how to take care of that. Um, and I think all of these places, respecting Authority, respecting others, respecting friends, respecting siblings, um, respecting property. If we're doing that in our own life and looking at it with our big girl eyes, then they're going to see us doing that. And so just remember to communicate that. went to um, lunch with somebody the other day, and they were asking me some discipline questions. And I'm all about just like the training more than the correcting. The training, just let them see the good stuff in you and let it overflow to them. And, uh, and I watched her sip out of her Coke and, or whatever she was drinking, and her daughter said, can I have a sip? And she said, sure. And I said, look, look how generous your mommy is being. Can you tell your mommy thank you for being generous with you? Sometimes we just need to tell them, hey, what I'm doing right now is a character quality that God wants from us. And so just communicate those things. When you return that grocery cart, tell them you're doing it because you want to be responsible, because you want to be respectful. When you, um, you know... Anyways, you no. get the point. You get the point. Okay. Good one-line questions? <sighs> yes. So a couple good line one good one-line questions are, are you being considerate of that person? Okay? Um, are you being respectful to that person? I, that's a question that comes in my house. It just happened yesterday. 
one of my kids went and grabbed something from some other kid, and the other kid started crying. And I said, come here, come here, come here. Are you being respectful to him? No. And then here came the second question, what is the kind thing to do? And those are just based off Philippians 2, uh, 4, and Proverbs 3, 27. And so my kids hear that a lot. I said, hey, are you being respectful of your brother right now? No. Okay. What is the kind thing to do? I'll go pick it up and give it back to him. Thank you. And we move on. You know, I think that's just so true. When you have a script, when you have a script that you can go back to a go-to, it's amazing how that works. I mean, it's just amazing how that works. And when Mandy's talking about the heart, since we are talking about CPR, when you're talking about respect, think about how the heart functions when there's blockage. I mean, you have to go and have an angioplasty or whatever. So it's got to be all channels, all veins, all arteries have got to be open. So that's just a good way to think of it. Okay, now we're going to talk about obedience and, whoa, how we love. So let's uh, hammer in another one of our little anywhere you want to get a little... Dot, on a red dot. A little, yeah, on a red dot. Okay, so obedience. Well, that's one of the things that I think we really think, um, obedience. We, when, when we think of it, Jesus walked on this earth to model and pave the way for us. You cannot lead your children over paths that you have not trod. When you think about him, and he came to this earth to really and he left a script for us. And not only that, but he looked at us, I think, and thought, oh, geez, this group is hopeless. He gave us a helper in the Holy Spirit. <laughs> so I think when you look at that, we have got to be, when you think about obedience, we always want to put our kids out there in front and say, okay, I expect first-time obedience. But what does God expect of us? Because when I think back to truth, I think about, oh, know my commands, walk in my ways, uh, know my statutes, um, seek me with all your heart. Love the Lord your God with all your heart. I mean, I think of the things that he's trying to get us to be obedient and so things will go well with us. I love that verse in Psalm 16, 11. It says, you have made known to me the path of life. You will fill me with joy in your presence, with eternal pleasures in, at your right hand. He's, we have, this is the way to life. This is the path to life. And the more we invest in this out of obedience, the more that life goes well with us. So when we call our kids to first-time obedience, what does that look like for us? Because I will tell you, one of my favorite quotes again is, good instruction is, and a bad example is like pointing your kids to heaven but taking their hand and leading them down the road to hell. And so we've really got to think about what we're doing when it looks like in obedience. So one of my favorite, I do too, I love the message like Mandy said, and I just want to read you the message Psalm, in Psalm 119, 1 through 8. And just kind of just rest there and just really envision what God is saying to us. You're blessed when you stay on course, walking steadily on the road revealed by God. You're blessed when you follow his directions, doing your best to find him. That's right. You don't go off on your own. You walk straight along the road he set in the train tracks. Um, you, God, prescribe the right way to live. Now you expect us to live it. Oh, that my steps might be steady. I mean, we should long to be obedient. That's where the good life, that's where the abundant life is. Keeping on the course you set. 
then I'd never have any regrets in comparing my life with your counsel. I thank you for speaking straight from your heart. I learned the pattern of your righteous ways. I'm going to do what you tell me to do. Don't ever walk off and leave me. Well, we know God's number one promises is I will never leave you and I will never forsake you. And we need to believe that. But I will tell you, God never gives us a command as his men and women that he does not give us the grace to perform it. And it's our job not to sit there and be still, but to stand up and meet him. I mean, he will meet us when we step up and go forward in obedience. One of my favorite things was when reading about Caesar one time, when he commands his armies, he doesn't say, go forward like when they're going into battle. He says, come. I mean, can you say that to your kids? Are you really being obedient of what God calls us to do? And you're saying, come. You know, just like Mandy said, follow me as I follow hard after Christ. I always thought to myself, if I went in my closet and I saw that uh, on a t-shirt, follow me as I follow hard after Christ, could I put that on and read and wear <laughs> that to Target and to, you know, out in public? Like, oh yeah, what's she trying to, I mean, we got to live because, you know, just like that, it's caught, not, it's, yeah, caught, not taught. So we've got to really be doing what we're calling our kids to do. So what is the Lord? This is in Micah 6, 8. And it said, what does the Lord require of you? And so these three things, to act justly, which is to do the right thing, to know what it is, the right thing is. We got to know what the right thing is by reading the principles and then doing them. And that was, is our outward expression. Then we have to love mercy. Well, this is a Hesed love, which is the most passionate deepest love. It's not a feeling love. It's a doing love. And so this is our inward to love mercy. We're going to show loving kindness to others, but we're also going to show a loyal love to God. And that's our inward expression. And then to walk humbly. And that is to walk humbly with God is our heart attitude. It's God's people depend on him rather than their own abilities. I've loved when, it, when JP said one time that if we, I mean, if dependence on the Lord is a is the goal then weakness is a how does it say if dependence on god is the goal then weakness is an advantage so we need we are best when we're weakest and that sounds kind of like an oxymoron but that's the way the lord works he wants us to need him so let me just make sure i think that was again okay so uh the next one is self-control so pick a red dot and give it a good one there (laughs) All right, and this is the next principle, guys, the principle of self-control versus indulgence. Galatians 5.22 reminds us that it's a fruit of the Spirit. God has given it to us, and if you are looking for a good place to start principle-wise of like, what what can I be training my kids in? It's a great list right here. Just start right here, and you'll be set for like two years. Um, Got plenty of of information there, plenty of principles. I like the thought that freedom is not the right to do as you please, but the power to do as you ought. And I think that's what we need um, self-control-wise because it leads to freedom. There's two areas that I think of that I am not um, self-controlled in that I could use a lot more um, control over my words and over my emotions. So let's start with words. This is my picture of word vomit because that's what I always say that I do to my kids, especially in the midst of like total chaos and insanity and trying to bring discipline into a chaotic situation. And so I'm trying to work on only saying the things that matter. Um, So if we're thinking about our own hearts as adults um, and not necessarily our role as a parent, 
Um, think about situations, even maybe here at your table time. Um, just notice in a group setting, am I dominating conversation? Do I talk a lot? Tell my kids all the time, God gave you two ears and one mouth, and there's a reason. You're supposed to listen twice as much as you talk. And that is true for ourselves as well. And so we don't have to say everything we're thinking. It is okay to leave some things unsaid. And that is true for myself. And then I'm trying to pass that on to my kiddos. Um, so think about that. Um, another way that I'm not controlled with my words, however, though, is that sometimes I give too few words. And I know that seems silly, but a lot of times I hold back on the words that I need to say. Um, and those are words that can be gifts. And I think I have a slide of that, too. Um, <laughs> I'm sure you do. <laughs> um, because we want to give our words away like gifts. This is something else that I got out of that book. If you need another plug to go get it, everybody can order it on Amazon real quick. Um, I want to give my words away like gifts, and I'm not really great at it but my kids need to hear those gifts. That's the, those are the things that they need to hear. And one of the things that I'm working on is them hearing me say things like, me too, and I get it. And just kind of getting down on their level and understanding who they are and what they're dealing with, um, those are the words that they want. Millie really encouraged me when we were working on this talk. She told me a story about her and Blaine, and I really left there and thought, I need to try this. I need to see if I can do it. And so I have one kiddo that's totally always outside of the box, like miles outside of the box, okay? So um, if you have one of those kids, then let's chat because it's hard. Um, and there's, there isn't first-time obedience in their world. That just doesn't even exist. Um, and so a lot of times um, what he needs from me is for me to get down on one knee and go, me too. I get it. I understand. Um, but I have found myself in a place that, I was really kind of just like kind of tired of his attitude all the time. And he is my Eeyore kid, so like nothing's ever enough and everything's always sad. And I mean, like, you know, usually when you show up at your kid's school and they're like, Mom, I show up at school and he's like, <laughs> I mean, I got nothing. I was like, what is, what is up with you, kid? Anyhow, he's my only kid with homework. So I got four kids going to school and only one of them gets homework every day. It's awesome. It's really fun. And um, so that's kind of been our big struggle point is like, my homework is So like always, those are always the words he comes home with. And so Millie gave me this idea. She said, hey, one time I had to do this with Blaine where I just would go peanut butter and I would fist bump and he would say jelly and we would just like get it done. And I thought, okay, I'm going to try that. That seems like something Riley could get on board with. And so he came home, oh, I'm going to do my homework. And I was like, hey, I'll go get the pencils, and you grab your homework out of your binder. Peanut butter? And literally the first time he goes, huh? <laughs> and I was like, I took his hand. I was like, jelly, go. He was like, okay. And so I did it, and then we sat down, and he started complaining about it. I said, sounds like you need a snack. Peanut butter? And he goes, jelly? <laughs> I mean, this went on like all day. <laughs> It went on all day, um, but by the end of the evening, I went to scratch his back and tuck him in, and I go, Betty, I love you, and he goes, peanut butter. <laughs> and we have started doing this routine, and, um, but what I noticed, what I noticed is that by giving him those silly words, it changed my heart because we partnered in it together. He needed a partner. He needed somebody to go, I gotcha. I'm your buddy. I'm your friend. I can do this. And I'm not saying that we don't have the mom role with our kids, 
Some of our kids, they need a partner in life. They don't need a mom that's put out by their attitude or frustrated with their bad behavior. They need somebody to come along and say, peanut butter. Jelly. Okay? And to partner with them. And that has just been such a gift. Those words, albeit silly, are a gift to my child. And so if I can encourage you to partner with them, then do so. Yes. And I would just say on that, you know, that was such a blessing to us because I was sitting in my car that day and Blaine had just been diagnosed with dyslexia and it was just so overwhelming. I was just really crying in my car. And God, when he got in the car, I said, peanut butter. And he was like, what? Because he had said, I have so much homework. I peanut butter. And I went, jelly. I said, we go together. And I will tell you every day. And I said, I'm in charge you get in the popcorn, you get the drinks. And I mean, every day it was like, he'd get in the car and go peanut butter. Finally, I was like, I'm sick of, I'm sick of being jelly. I want to be peanut butter again. But it was just like, it empowered him. And I just saw his third grade teacher a couple of weeks ago. And she said to me, she goes, Oh, Blaine Hale. She goes, I just love him. She said, one day I remember saying, okay, have you made a 90 or above on the test? You did great. And Blaine was like, oh, Miss Gerald, Miss Gerald, I made an 89, but remember I'm dyslexia. I'm dyslexic. And she goes, yes, Blaine, I know. That 89 is perfect. So it empowered him to be okay with his diagnosis, that it wasn't a weakness, it was an opportunity, because I'm telling you, that dyslexia has proved so well with him, and that's why he is really such a great golfer, is because he is so tenacious and really gets after it. So I would just say our words are a gift, and on that note, too, I would say the part of the equation, I have mothers call me all the time and want me to fix their two-year-old, and my, my goal is never, I'm always like, I'd love to meet with you, but my goal is always to fix the mom or at least give her some encouragement and just to say, come on, you can do this. Let's, re, let's try this. I don't, I don't know all the answers, but I know that I can kind of light a fire and fan the flame of your love for the Lord and kind of help spur that on. It's so true. Our words can also be too impulsive. Nobody's guilty of that, right? Uh, so training ourselves as moms to think before we speak and to acknowledge when we don't, and to say that out loud to our kids. Um, I'm pretty certain that is said every day in my house more than one time of, please forgive me. I didn't think before I spoke, or I said that in the wrong way. And so, um, but, and then that encourages your kids to do the same. There's nothing better. It's like Millie says, a fruit salad. When you hear your kid go, please forgive me. I didn't think before I I spoke. Um, So the questions are, are my words nice? And are my words necessary? That's what we're asking ourselves. And then in turn, we can ask that of our kids because we're doing that. Um, Ephesians 4.29, this is again another time when I was like, we got to impress this on my kids because our words are just bubbling up out of us and we're not thinking. I love this. And we threw this up on the marker board one day at our house. Do not let any unwholesome talk come from your mouth, but only what is useful for building others up. It says up three times because I made a song and I'm not going to sing it according to their needs. (laughs) that it is for the the benefit of those that hear. And that last part cannot go unsaid, that it's for the benefit of those that hear. So is what I am saying necessary, okay? And is it nice? And um, all our kids memorize this. Allie can still sing the song. It's hilarious. The boys roll their eyes and we sing it at the dinner table sometimes. Um, But I used that verse. And then every time my kids pulled out Legos or building, building anything, building a fort, building with blocks, building with Legos. Will you flip to the next slide for me? Yes, I we would talk about We would talk about how they can be master builders, and then we would say the verse again. And we would say the verse again, you're a master builder. And just yesterday, when I was in front of Angela's house, and my kids were all having a moment, and she threatened to videotape me so that you would see how awful everyone is. Um, <laughs> I, we drove away from there, and I said, 
we are not being master builders. And they knew exactly what I was talking about because we weren't building others up with our talk. We were just slamming people and saying awful things to each other in the car. And so I love taglines that you can just remind them and point them back to scripture like that. Um, our emotions, mine is typically anger, so I'll just be really honest. Like when I get frustrated, then my emotions just go crazy. Um, anger is a symptom and not a cause. James 1.20 tells us that that does not come from the righteous life that God desires. And so a couple of things to think on. Uh, lowering our voices. Always have to take a deep breath when my emotions are high and choose to use a lower octave that sometimes involves no energy at all. And my kids are all staring at me. Um, because we've got Proverbs 15.1 on a slide too that reminds us to lower our voice. A gentle answer turns away wrath. And so um, keep that in your back pocket. Also use fewer words. We talked about word vomit and how we can say too many Proverbs 10:19 says that when words are many, sin is not absent, and isn't that the truth? So sometimes as mamas, we just need less words. Use precise words. Use vocabulary. Um, sometimes we have to remove ourselves from a situation. We have to just go, you know what? Mom's not ready for this because the scene is not safe. So I'm going to walk outside for a minute, and we're going to make sure that mommy's heart gets right, and then we're going to step back into this. But just communicate that with your kiddos. Of, of like, hey, I'm feeling angry, so I'm going to step out for a minute, and I'm going to calm down, and then we're going to have this conversation, because that empowers them to do the same later. Um, we just had a huge meltdown in our house. I, I mean, I'm telling you, this has been an awesome week this week, as far as uh, behavior in our home, and I had one, you know, call another an idiot, so that's always fun, and um, I just walked in and said, hey, you need to turn off your Kindle right away because we don't use that kind of language. And then it was the stomping and the slamming of the doors and the gnashing of teeth. And I'm pretty sure he ripped a few things down off his wall. So, um, so he's got his mama's anger issues. And, um, and I was able to just lower my voice, God's grace, and walk in and say, I am so sorry that you're disappointed that you had to turn off your Kindle, but you made a choice and this is the proper consequence. But now that we didn't respond in the right way to the consequence, now we've lost our Kindle for two more days because we stomped off, we slammed doors. And for him to kind of take a deep breath, and I said, now, you can keep having the tantrum, but there will be more consequences. And for him to look at me with those eyes and go, I need to calm down. And I was like, yes, do you want me to finish this conversation later? Do you need a minute? No, I'm ready to have this conversation now. But he watches mom say that to him of like, I'm really angry right now, so I'm going to step out of the room. And so he has that to look back on, and he knows that's the proper response. The proper response is I'm feeling angry, and I need a minute by myself to calm down. Um, but I don't always model it that way. And so I'm hoping that in continuing to show all of our kids that, that our kids will get to the point where they can say that too when they're having their temper tantrum. Because we have our own, don't we? It just looks a little bit more mature. <laughs> right? Or maybe not sometimes. <laughs> and so just remember to be a good model of that and to communicate what you are feeling and what you're doing with those feelings. Because our kids, they feel it and they don't know what to do with it unless we, we are showing them that. Exactly. Okay, the next little dot, and then we're going to get the pen and color in, is going to be on fellowship. So find your little red dot and color it in. And fellowship. Okay, so this is my slide. This is my life from November to January, and I'm not going to read that whole exhaustive list, but boy, it adds up to a lot of trouble. 
Um, I mean, it started with my mom having more health issues and needing surgery and just a few things. My husband lost his job. Um, you know, I, we were, Blaine was coming home from college, you know, Lufkin trips to go see my mom. Christmas dinner was at my house. I mean, it's just a lot of stuff. My mom ended up getting dehydrated and I just, just literally loaded stuff in the car without even saying anything and just drove to Lufkin. Um, and, she, and by the time, uh, an hour outside of Lufkin, she had fallen and was taken to the hospital in an ambulance. And so it was just a lot of stuff. And all that time, guys, I was just, um, running to put out fires. I was having no time with the Lord. If I listened to Christian music, I was, I was sending out many SOS flags. I mean, I was alerting my community group, please pray for me. I'm going through this. And you know, my children, I was asking Sally, pray for this. I mean, I had a lot of people praying, but I was not responding in a way that was healthy. I was uh, just running around. My husband, just to stay out of my way, was not doing what I needed him to do. He was going out and playing golf and doing what he needed to do and <laughs> playing, you know, being with Blaney and doing all this stuff, and it just didn't go well. So all that stuff, I always say that whole list was understandable. Boy, I could tell you that list. You'd go, oh, my gosh, I would be so overwhelmed. And it is. It's understandable, but it is never acceptable. So we go out to dinner two days after New Year's, and Sally, it's just Sally and Blaine and I, she's 24, she's at DTS, she's in counseling. Ha, huh, we needed it. Um, and she looks at us and she said, I don't want to be home anymore. I don't like to be around. I don't like who y'all are. I don't like how y'all are treating each other. And she just started crying. And so we drove home in a lot of silence, and we said, let's not talk about it in payway. Can we talk about it on the ride home? So she kind of, you know, verbally kind of told us how she was feeling at home and how she did not want to be there. And so when we get home, I go upstairs and I don't even want to talk about it. And I start making this list of all the reasons why I was sick. And I mean, I just had so many things going on. And my husband sends out a text. And this is what it looked like. Sally, I appreciate you sharing with mom and I your observations on how we are treating each other lately. We both know that it's not right. We want to apologize to you. We know better and I promise you we will, you will see improvement. Thank you for holding us accountable and we both love you very much. It's our job to set the right example and I'm very sorry that we let you down. I wanted to let you know that mom and I have talked, um, talked about it and we both took your comments to heart. Hope you were having a great day. He sent this to her and that was her look and I thought and I said do not give your clients this look <laughs> when you're trying to do your little counseling with them. We said, love you, and thank you for bringing this to our attention. Well, I called Blaine that night. We didn't even talk about it that night because Gracie was home, and I called him the next day, and I just said, we know what to do. We don't need to go. We don't need to rehash all this. We both know what we need to do. Let's do it. And I'm telling you, I, I, Sally wrote back, thanks. I didn't mean to be emotional about it, but I just haven't really enjoyed being around the house as much being that, because everyone seems off. I'm so thankful that she didn't say... I don't ever want to be around that house because I know what that house means. Sally is my community. She's my core. She knows what goes on in our four walls. And there were no mistakes. I mean, it was not good. And I was just trying to be everything to everybody. And so I would just encourage you that, you know, you're going to have a core and you're going to have an inner circle. And my inner circle is my community group. And when I shared this with them, they were like, how did we let you down? They, let me, they didn't let me down at all. They were sending scriptures and praying for me, but I wasn't really getting to the root of my issue. I was taking those prayers in, and believe me, things could have been a lot worse because our last name is Hale, and I mean, at Christmas, I should have opened the door and said, welcome to the Hale house, because that's what it was, H-E-L-L. -L. 
But I love this verse because this is what it was. When you've dug yourself in a hole, guys, I should have stopped digging. I should have stopped digging a long time ago. I love this. I waited patiently for the Lord. I really think it should say, the Lord waited patiently for me. And when I finally looked at that and Sally said, stop, this cannot go any further. I mean, he turned to me and heard my cry. He lifted me out of that slimy pit, out of the mud and the mire. He set my feet on solid ground or on a rock and gave me a firm place to stand. He put a new song in my heart or in my, out of my mouth. I'm telling you, since Sally did that, I mean, I am so thankful for the breadcrumbs that I've dropped along the way because I could find my way back quickly. And I will tell you, he restored my heart. I mean, I hate to be so emotional about it, but guys, this is real stuff. This is honesty. And a lot of you may be in that too. And I want to tell you, stop digging. Just get out of that hole and cry out to somebody. We have so many ministries that want to serve every one of you. We want, Mandy's in my heart, is we want this to go well with you. This is such a blessing. And so I just, I mean, I hate to be so passionate about it, but I'm sorry. Yeah, let me make sure I didn't miss anything about the sponge because um, anyway, so then Sally's text, digging the hole. And I would just say, don't stay in isolation. If you are not in a community group or you don't have a circle of people that keep spurring you on and pushing you and praying for you, get back to that. Because I love a verse um, too that I'll just say in Colossians 4, and I sent this to my community group, and it says, he is always wrestling in prayer for you. And I put their names in there. Gigi, Jill, Kim, and Catherine are always wrestling in prayer for me that I would, I may stand firm in the will of God, mature and fully assured. And I will tell you, I'm so grateful for those women that they do that. Mm-hmm. So, in reference to what she's talking about, we're going to move on to confession and forgiveness. Those are two more principles that we want to impress on our children. And so you get to color in two red dots this time. One for confession and one for forgiveness. And James 5.16 says, therefore, confess your sins to each other and pray for each other. I didn't make a slide for it, but for forgiveness, there's Colossians 3.13. Bear with each other and forgive one another. And so, uh, you know, Millie and her husband could have gotten that message from their daughter and then just kind of been like, whatever, this is life, this is how it rolls, this is how it happens, you know, but they didn't, they asked for forgiveness and that's such an example to her at 24 years old to watch their, her, her adult parents say, please forgive us, we, we've, we've made a misstep and we're ready to self-correct and so I think that's really important. Um, confession is just vital for healthy relationships. So even if it's not a forgiveness thing, if it's a confession thing, um, another thing that I've been reading in that book that I love is that if you take away the struggle, if you take away the struggle, you take away the trust. And so one of the things that I really am loving about being a parent is being able to say that, me too, I've been there, and to let my kids in on a little bit. They don't need to know every piece of my soul. They're not ready for all of that yet, but to let them in on little things. Allie was witness to me having a phone conversation where I just had to, to tell some childhood friends that they went on a trip without me and it hurt. And I could have just like sat and been bitter about it, but I didn't. I called them and I said, I know y'all. I love y'all. I know you love me. What happened here? This was really hurtful. Allie's sitting right there. She's watching my tears. She's listening to my words. We got to have a great conversation at the end of that for her to go, mommy, what happened? And I said, well, I got left out of something. And that happens. I can't put my hope in people. I can put my hope and trust in God. And I don't have to sit in this place of feeling with, the, with all the feelings that I have because I can... 
I can go to somebody and confess to them, like, I'm having these thoughts about you, and it stems from this, and help me come to a better place so we can have a healthy relationship. That was huge for her to see, and we've had lots of conversations where she'll go, you know, we're talking about a relationship that she's, you know, trying to cycle through, and I'm, I'm like, she'll say, oh, remember, like, that conversation you had with your friend? And I said, yes. So it's good for them to see that and to hear that. Um, Proverbs 28, 13 also tells us that confession gives us mercy. Um, he says, he who conceals his sin does not prosper, but whoever confesses and renounces them finds mercy. For me, as a female with lots of emotions, if I don't confess the way I'm feeling, my mind will eat me alive, basically, you know? So I have to say out loud, and it loses its power, and I think that's part of the mercy that he gives us. So... Something that's said here a lot is to keep short accounts, and I think that's a good thing to say, but what I'm finding is a lot of times we compartmentalize that a little bit. Oh, well, I'll keep short accounts with my husband, or I'll keep short accounts with this person, but I'm not going to keep short accounts with everybody. But what happens is that we don't find mercy, and so keeping short accounts can't be compartmentalized. It goes with your kids, it goes with your husband, it goes with your friends. It might even go with somebody you don't know to just go, hey, that felt kind of weird. I don't know what's going on here, and I want to just make sure that the air is clear. And so um, just make sure you're not compartmentalizing it. Um, as far as asking for forgiveness, is this not a really difficult thing to do with children? And so they need to hear us asking for forgiveness a lot if we want it to be something that's a regular habit for them. And so um, pretty much there's someone I'm always asking forgiveness from at the end of the day in the Cisco house. Um, I, I mean, with four kids, there's got to be a misstep somewhere. And so I'm like, oh, I'm so sorry. Please forgive me for that. Um, but one thing I want to point out, sometimes I think we just feel like um, forgiveness can, well, it'll just be good. Oh, there's so much fruit from it. Just ask for forgiveness and move on. But with kids, it just doesn't work that way sometimes. Um, you can't force forgiveness. You can't force somebody to forgive. But I do want to give my kids the right um, steps to take in this area. And so um, I can remember lots of times, but one in particular, lots of times that Training Grounds staff has gotten a, will you please forgive me from a Cisco child? But one time in particular, I'm pretty sure Griffin threw a chair at one of the teachers. <laughs> Might have been one of y'all. And, um, and I was like, oh, that's fine. Um, okay, we'll be right back. And um, we walked around the corner. We were supposed to have a play date with a friend and eat lunch. And it was after, you know, something like this. And canceled the play date, sat on the floor in the hallway, talked about what kindness is, talked about what respect is. What do you think we should do about this? How can we make this right? I don't know. I don't know. I don't want to. Okay. So I literally sat next to him in the hallway for 40 minutes. I think we just waited. I just waited for the kid to get there, okay? And, um, and just showing him that, like, forgiveness is important. You threw a chair at somebody. Like, you got to ask for forgiveness. And we're just simply not going to go anywhere until you do. And that's not always possible given the circumstances. There's definitely been times where we've had to drive somewhere to ask for forgiveness or we've had to write a note and bring it the next week or whatever, um, but I just want you to know that it isn't always so pretty, not for ourselves and not for kids, but it eventually will be. And so that's kind of what this slide is, is that I feel like sometimes this is a hard skill for us to get in the habit of doing in our own hearts, hard for us to pass on to our kiddos. It gets messy and it gets dirty. It doesn't look pretty at the time, but there will be fruit from it afterwards. Okay, our last, is that it? That's it. Okay, our last little slide is for love. And so just 
color that in, our last little red dot. Okay, so what does God tell us about love? Um, well, I mean, I know the first instruction I think of is that you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your might. And, you know, that's really impossible if you don't understand how Christ loves you. Um, I see that probably more in young women, and that's probably over my 10 or 15 years or whatever that I've been really, you know, pouring into young women. Um, that's the thing I notice the most. Women don't understand the love of Christ. They don't really see themselves as this beautiful butterfly. They see themselves as the ugly caterpillar. And so I would tell you, I know Amy and Jill did a great study on the old self, new self, and I think we kind of do the hokey pokey back and forth on that. But I just love in Psalm 139, 14, where it says, you know, I think I've told y'all, I, I taught this in a Bible study in fourth grade for fourth grade girls. And I always, with Gracie, when she was younger in second grade, I remember her getting in the car and going, Katie wouldn't let me play on the playground. I said, Gracie, what does Psalm 139, 14 say? I am fearfully and wonderfully made. She said, I'm like, I don't think that's the way the Lord wrote that verse. Try again. She's like, I am fearfully and wonderfully. I'm like, I still don't think that's the way the Lord wrote that verse. You dig deeper. And so by about eight times, she was like, I am fearfully and wonderfully made. I said, okay, let's talk about that. Well, when we learned about, I mean, about, that was in second grade, I think. Well, in fourth grade, we did a Bible study. And so I actually wrote out the whole verse. And it says, I will praise you because I'm fearfully and wonderfully made. Your works are wonderful. I know that full well. And so I thought to myself, what does that look like to know that full well? That's from here to here. That's knowing that you are fearfully and wonderfully made. And so I also think in Romans 8, 38 39, it says, be convinced, nothing. Or it says, really, I am convinced. Nothing can separate you from the love of Christ. Not life, not death. I mean, nothing can separate you. So you can put in there anything you want, not 10 pounds, not, I mean, bad hair day. I mean, nothing can separate you from the love of Christ. You are his masterpiece. And until you know that, guys, your parenting is going to look different to your kids. I mean, I love to rub up with, with Christian women, which you can see it every day on Wednesday Bible study. You can see it in this room. People that you know love the Lord and understand the love of the Lord, understand how God loves them, they're confident. Now, they're not arrogant. They're just confident. They walk around and they understand how Christ loves them. So I would just encourage you. I love, I still love, I'm a, girl, I'm a word girl, I mean, I'm a picture girl, and I still love when Mandy used this slide about the hermit crab, that they don't like to give up their old shell. They kind of keep going back to that old shell. So I will tell you, confidence breeds uh, really, I mean, when you really understand, then it, then, then it breeds confidence and conviction. And good parenting is knowing, I'm telling you, your parenting will be different once you know and understand and believe God's truth about you. When you can look in the mirror and say, I believe that I'm fearfully and wonderfully made. I know it full well. And it's going to look different. And I'm telling you, this is how it's going to, it, I wrote down here, um, to be confident in your parenting, you must be confident in the source, which is the Bible. And staying connected to Christ is the only source that inspires that confidence and that composure. Your fruit will resemble the vine from which it's connected. And I will tell you, it will. There's bad fruit. Um, so if you're confident, when you carry yourselves, when you parent your children, it's going to come from a place that's calm, purposeful, 
an authoritative confidence. That's what kind of, kind, a kind of confidence it's going to come, come across. A calm, purposeful, and authoritative confidence. So, I love this, how it says, this is how we, I mean, in 1 John 5, 2, it says, this is how we know that we love the children of God by loving God and carrying out his commandments. That's how we show God that we love his children is how much we want to obey and know his commandments. And look how sweet they were. Oh, my. I love those people. So, here we go. Methods. And so, we've got all our dots carried in. So, methods are many, principles are few. If we go in and we just connect those dots, I should have gone a little bit more. They make a heart. And so, the more we revisit all of those principles, the more we give our, our children good boundaries. And good boundaries, what does that do for your children when you have good, solid, confident boundaries? You're going to have happy joyful kids. And that doesn't mean that sometimes, guys, I mean, our kids are going to color outside the lines. And that's when your response, not your reaction, needs to be lovingly going over there and saying, hey, buddy, you know what? We don't do that to one another. I mean, we always used, um, we're in the building business. If my kids were treating each other that way, I just had to put out my hand and go, sorry, I'm in the hell building business. Are you not in with me? And immediately my kids would go, Gracie, will you forgive me? I, you know, because we had already learned that we spent one whole summer learning, you know, do not let any unwholesome talk come out of my mouth. And I mean, when I heard them bickering, I would just say, do not let any unwholesome talk come out of my mouth. And, you know, only that would, my kids know that verse well. So it's just having those boundaries and getting them reinforced and clear and, you know, concise. I mean, what would you say add to that? Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. So these little dots all on the page, these are the methods. There's tons of them. You could do a million things. You go out of here and try a bunch of different methods. These are the principles. They don't change. This is God's word. This is what we're trying to drive in is that we want to teach and train our kids in these areas. Now, I told you earlier, there's more of them. This is only a few that we could cover today, but this is what we're saying, impress these, impress these, impress these, and that's what draws the boundary for good discipline. Right, and this always grows out of love. So what I want to leave you with, because what we're going to start with next time, next time is going to be a little bit more. We're going to have a panel, and there's going to be more, you know, your questions that are going to be answered, and we'll have a little bit. So that's kind of what it looks like once you've carried it. But I want to leave you with this. Um, I, Joe White, who is a Kennecuck, I read in one of his books one time, and I really liked it. He was interviewing an Olympic track star, Madeline Manning Mims, about the aspect of the relay. And she said, I've had batons slip, drop, slide, and even bounce off the track back into my hand on the way to victory. But of all the crucial moments in an Olympic relay race, there is none as crucial as the pass. It's the approach, the timing, the grip, the exchange, the power, the pressure. It is the all-important transfer. It is where the race is won or lost, period. So, guys, the message, the baton is the message. And we are passing this to our children. And we need to be all in. We need to be really focused on that. And I think Mandy's in my heart for you today is if we can leave you with just a little bit of enthusiasm. Enthusiasm, I read this quote, enthusiasm is the sparkle in your eye. It's the swing in your gait. It's the grip in your hand, the irresistible surge of will and energy to execute your ideas. 
Enthusiasts are fighters. They are fortitude. They have staying qualities and power. It is, enthusiasm is at the bottom of all progress, and with it there is accomplishment, and without it there are only alibis. So guys, if we can just leave you with a little bit of enthusiasm just to take some of these ideas and implement them in your family. And just, um, we appreciate your time, and thank you. I'm, she's okay. going to tell you, too. Yeah, so we've got, we've got like maybe 15 minutes for table time, maybe 10, 10, 15. Look, we left you a little table time, which we weren't expecting, <laughs> which is great. Uh, <clears throat> what we want you to talk about at your tables is, because we do want you to be enthusiastic, we want you to leave here encouraged to be proactive in the discipline of our children and not reactive, to be that first responder and to do it well. So what one thing did you identify with today? It can be something that you're already doing and you just wanna share with the people at your table or it could be something that you are like, you know what, this is a good idea. I want to implement this and try this. And so leave today with just, so it's the one thing I identified with and share that with the people at your table. And then we're going to play some really fun music to get you jamming on the way out of here so that you leave with an upbeat heart, excited and ready to train your kids proactively. So thanks, Thank girls. Thank you all.